I had to address something real quick. It was not going to wait. She has to undress something. (laughs) Come on, Jake. It's only your life. Are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? You just wiggled your finger. That's wonderful. (laughs) I guess. Yes. I guess. That'll let, we'll let that slide. Name that movie. I don't know. I don't know either. It's her favorite movie, evidently, right? It is. Just wiggle your finger. You just wiggled your finger. That's wonderful. This sounds like a dirty movie. (laughs) It's The Princess Bride. It's actually, it's Andre the Giant, which is why it's such a great line. Fezzik. Yes. Damn it. All right. I should have known that. Anybody want a peanut? (laughs) (laughs) Inconceivable. (laughs) I promise I'll watch the movie for homework. Oh, no. Also, great movie choice. Yeah. No, you can pass on that. I have that on Blu-ray. I don't even know if it's in HD, but I probably paid way more than I should have. Right. We said that's our favorite movie. That's probably your favorite movie. Uh, That's fantastic. Uh, Welcome to the Braggish Podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening to that banter. Uh, We are your hosts. Knock. Cliff. Lynn. Yes, Lynn is back with us and she's here to stay. So get with yes. it or get the off. Right? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been like a month since we recorded last. It was. I was sick. Thanksgiving, sick. Oh my God, I cooked so much for Thanksgiving. My arms are still like noodles. I think I made three total Thanksgiving dinners. There's a lot of cooking. That is a lot of cooking. Yeah. I did a lot of travel. So. I love how Lynn's arms feel like noodles, our bellies feel like bricks. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't pooped right for a couple of days. I almost brought a lot of leftovers to you guys too, just so I would have room in my refrigerator for like vegetables. Right. You know? Honestly, I'm not gonna lie, something sad happened. Uh, I did not get to eat Thanksgiving dinner because I had the flu. <gasps> no Thanksgiving dinner, except for the stuff that Lynn gave me, which was fantastic. But, yeah, but no, I made more. No dinner. Why are we around you right now? Don't feel sorry for me, guys. <laughs> this is absurd. Just all this nasty cloud over us. We did both walk into his house, too. I know. We're contaminated now. <sighs> Just to keep the liquor flowing. Thank not. <laughs> all right, well, we got a great deal up reading. We're still going to go with the, uh, the three-story format. It did so well last time in the bookish. Uh, yeah. So we're going to keep the three-story format going for you. Uh, I got some things over in the parish. I got some things over in the city. Uh, and then uh, we got some things also, St. Rose. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, and we're going to get right started in this one. Okay. And this one is titled The Sultan's Bloody Orgy. Sultan's Bloody Orgies. Right. You were on that. I was. Yeah. That was a great little intro song. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, you too. Yes. All right, so we're starting this story off, all right, back in 1836, all right? This building at 1716 Dauphine Street was erected. Love erections. I see where you're going there. Cliff loves erections, all right? All right, this Philadelphia-born guy's name was uh, Joseph uh, Couillon Gardet. He arrived in New Orleans, okay, and he was going to be the best dentist ever. Okay, and turns out he was pretty good dentist because he built this massive uh, three and a half story mansion uh, in the French Quarter. It was amazing. So 716 Dauphine Street, all right? That's in there. 
you're, it's you're in not, it. Yeah, it's in you're not messing around. All right. Uh, but, uh, you know, the Gardettes, they had to sell their house because they got an even bigger house. All right. Oh, no. Uh, Sounds awful. Yeah. Terrible, terrible. All right. And the winning bidder of this house was Mr. Jean-Baptiste Lepret. All right. And he was a wealthy bank merchant. He was uh, like a to-do guy. All right. So Lepret is going to be one of our main characters of this story. Okay. Uh, he's a plantation owner. All right. He had some uh, plantations out in uh, Plaquemines Parish. I'm offended. Why? Plantations? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh-huh. Don't be offended. He just owned it. We don't know what he did there. I'm just kidding. I'm sure we, yeah, he probably uh, had slave. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, well, if you don't like slave uh, slave owners and plantation owners, it's good because Lepret uh, fell in some hard-ass times. Uh, so he had to lease it out. I got ahead of myself because, you know, I just want to make fun of Lepret. He leased out his home? Yeah, he leased out the Dauphine Street home. Uh, and when he purchased it, he purchased it for twenty grand. Back in 1839, that's about a half a million dollars a day. All right, so yeah. So is this Sounds like the about right. first instance of like Airbnb? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Huh. You can't can't do that in the French Quarter. But <laughs> yes, this is the first instance of an Airbnb. Lepret, uh, the Civil War came. He lost a lot of money, so he couldn't uh, really uh, stay at his plantation and his apartment in the French Quarter. <laughs> right. So he. Wanted to rent it out, and he was soon approached by this Middle Eastern man. And he explains to Lepret that his brother just so happened to be a sultan. Whoa. You said explains. Explains? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Just so happened. I, I said explain. Made it funny, yeah. I say, sorry. Sometimes <laughs> so he's my, a sultan. My, yeah, he's a sultan <laughs> from the Middle East. All right? Uh, and Lepret's like, yeah, if you got money, man, I got your house. How cool, like, how cool of that is a title? Hey, man, I'm a sultan. Like, that just sounds badass. I'm just imagining the Aladdin from Disney yeah, Parade. But the parade, when he bursts into the city, right? Imagine that down Bourbon Street, Mardi Wouldn't Gras style. Ahead of the man, man. Yeah, yeah. I got you. but we would have, like, gators instead of monkeys. <laughs> Funny you should say. <laughs> Whoa. All right. So soon after the ship arrives... The Middle East, and uh, everyone starts to disembark on the ship, and uh, it is like Prince Ali coming through. All right, Prince Ali. Heard your princess was a sight lovely to see. So much better than Robin Williams. Not a big deal. Everybody started to disembark. I'll explain it to you. Uh, first came the women, right? They're dressed in their fine silks, all right? Got their satin on and just looking great as can be. So this is like Sultan, like mega yacht sort of thing. Like His, he's got a whole crew. Right, yes. Nice. Uh, when he came into the port, he made an entrance. Okay. Uh, and you then know, came... You know they had trumpets, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next, they say, were the, the eunuchs. Yes. No weenus? <laughs> no weenus. Well, with all those ladies on board, you have to control the hanky-panky somehow. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because then came the men dressed in dark military clothing oh, that well, followed as well. Never mind. All right. And they had some long bayonets, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
You know what I do like about Middle Eastern? Their swords are fantastic. That curved... Yeah, the curved sword. Yeah. Is... Arabian Nights, like that. We're going to sing every Aladdin song, I'm sorry. It's just what it is. I know the entire CD. If I had to have a sword, I would not go, like, big, like, Game of Thrones sword. I would probably want, like, a slicing sword, like the Darth Rackian. I don't know, dude. I'm... Game of Thrones sword's pretty, like, Stark sword. Mm-hmm. Yeah, legit. Lynn, what do you got? A chef's knife. Yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> it is multi-purpose. I can stab people. I can do a lot with it. Well, I don't I don't <laughs> stab <laughs> people. I'm just saying that I, I could. I know. I said don't. Yeah. She cuts onions. She don't give me a horses. reason. Yeah. Right? Ooh. Oh. Girl. Yeah, I want the sword that goes, sing, you know, when you take it out of the... Whatever the sword holder, yeah, <laughs> that's a technical term. Yes. It's a sheath. I, oh. that, is that yeah? It is. It's great. a sheath. Wow, she just outmanned us. Yeah, she shit all over me. <laughs> <laughs> you can't teach middle school poetry without knowing some romantic. Is it, do they say words. unsheath my sword? Is yes. that a thing? It so, sounds good with a sword and a sword in the bedroom as well. Yeah. What if you like telling your friends and then? She unsheathed me. <laughs> what? Like, what century is it? It's not a century. It's Westeros. <laughs> Did she, she circumcise you? What? <laughs> <laughs> right, speaking of circumcision. <laughs> the uh, eunuchs. Yes, the eunuchs. Uh, and then we had the big long bayonets. That's <laughs> how we got on that situation. All right. And then uh, the brother of the sultan. Uh, he came out the boat. And then the sultan himself. Right, uh, he was a mysterious sultan. No one ever knew what his name was, but they just knew he's from the Middle East. He had a boatload of money, right? And he had his brother. Literally, yes. Right, that was boat number two. <laughs> right, and he had this brother that, uh, you know, said he was a sultan's brother, and they hung out together, and he would do all his bidding. All right, so then came all the furniture. All right, beds, vases, all right, pictures, portraits, and rugs, all right. We're still off the boat? Still off, off of the boat. I told you, this that's is Prince a, Ali. That's a big boat in the Mississippi River. If yeah. you've never been to New Orleans, the Mississippi River is big. But for what, this was the 1800s? Mm-hmm. This would have had to have been a big boat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah, this is right... Uh, Right after or around Civil War. Right after Civil War. Uh, and the locals were so amazed by all these riches. It was blocks down the street. They had to like put it on the side of the road because they couldn't get it into the house. <laughs> it was a three-story mansion, right? So they were like all the way down Dauphine, almost to Canal Street. Oh, my God. Yes. Okay. And over the next few months, all right, 776 Dolphin was a happening place. Okay? Soirees. If you can remember those ladies in silk. Mm-hmm. All right? Yes. Uh, giggling of the women coming from the room, obviously. And then, you know, the uh, likelihood of a man laughing, you know, from the giggles of a woman and stuff like that. And then... Uh, <laughs> Are they having a tickle party? They're having yeah. a tickle party. A tickle party. That's on the first floor, girl. Oh. On the second floor, uh, I would like to think, I would like to think it would go this way, but it would probably be third floor. 
All right, second floor is when you smell the scent of opium flowing out the windows. Oh, there we go. Yes. It now was it's that, real, real. It was 716 Dolphin was that kind of place. Just opium flowing. Right. Got it. Could you imagine, like, walking into a harem, really? Yeah. I mean, I could. <laughs> I'm sure Mrs. Cliff is very what happy would you imagine? Not, what would you kidding. imagine walking into a harem? I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, like, tall ceilings. Okay. You know, like, just entertainment everywhere you look. There's probably, I can't call them waitresses, because, but... Servants. Servants. Yeah. Woman or man, whatever, holding, mm-hmm. just bringing stuff around. Like, nobody, you know, the guy's hosting. Right. So you're not paying for anything. It's not like, oh, yeah, by the way, cash bar in the back. <laughs> not a big deal. I imagine pillows everywhere. Yes. And scarves from the ceiling. Like, is it a bed? Is it a couch? Yes. Sort of thing. Yes yeah. to both. Very silky. People silky being beds. fed grapes by the bunch. Right. Right. Asking you if you want to be fed grapes. I feel like whatever we're saying in. is PG. No. Compared to yeah, what's actually what's going actually. On. I mean, what else would make both men? Because there were some other giggle. sounds coming from uh, the windows <laughs> as well. Don't dare. That's say. what happens when body starts laughing. Doing a wild thing. The locals also heard the uh, distinct sounds of love making. Mm-hmm. When doing the wild thing. Okay. Uh, one thing was not so great for the locals, so they got to hear it, they got to smell it. Uh, they heard the music coming from there, but they were never invited <laughs> to the Sultan's Palace. That's what and it became you know, to be like, nicknamed. Was it jazz or was it like Sultany? You know, like it's probably aggravating mm-hmm. after a while. Like, oh, it was cool. <laughs> Sultany. It was cool, like when you were entering <laughs> the house. Yeah. But. You got to knock that stuff off around 12. I mean, it's starting to get aggravating. Like the Cobra song. Put your snake charmer away. (laughs) (laughs) Then the Sultans. Yeah, the Sultans play Creole. Creole. Sultan, please. Uh, Can you imagine being a husband living next door to that and having to listen to all those, like, moans and stuff? Yeah, he had kids. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. <gasps> you probably move. I mean, you couldn't. This was several months, and the, the, the locals were not invited. It's probably every night. I mean, this right. is like in the back of the quarter where it's a real neighborhood. It's not the right. Bourbon right. Street. Woo! So the noise would... De- oh, mm. oh, my God. Oh. The poor children. This dude coerced people and killed him, didn't he? Mm. Listen up. So it was a really stormy night. Uh, you know, like in New Orleans, when it gets like just them rattling your windows, stormy, and you're like, "Ooh, this is." <laughs> I should have <laughs> came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I should get the hell inside. Yeah, and it was one of those nights. Uh, and then it was one of the n- days when you woke up, and the sky was as blue as the Avatar's tank. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just blue. That's really blue. Some blue ass sky. You know what I mean? <gasps> I. Did. You know exactly what I mean when you got them hard rains and winds and then you wake up and you're like, damn. What you're saying is beautiful, but all I can picture is an avatar's, what do you say, <laughs> anus? Taint. Taint. What, how am I supposed to listen to your beautiful flowery description of an accurate weather phenomenon? But good Lord. I mean, I'd probably pay attention to the weather if they use that kind of language. 
rather yeah. than just say, oh, it's blue skies today. <laughs> That's boring. <laughs> there was a guy walking down the street in the French Quarter, uh, and he was uh, stopped dead in his tracks when he got to the front of the Sultan's Palace. Blood was running down the steps like a river. All right, he called the police, and the police arrived to the scene. The blood was thicker and even deep, deeper at this time. Like pools of blood, basically? Pools of blood in the street. Yikes. It's better than pissing homeless people's shit. Oh, no, that was there. <laughs> that was oh, also that, there. Oh, that's just covered in blood now? This is Ugh. before they had the trucks with the hoses, where Ugh. they just hosed the whole quarter down. Ugh. Right? Yeah, it's like... Probably horse poop. But it rained the night before. It was yeah, it rained the night before. I take it back. It rained the night before. It was yeah, clean. It never gets just the blood. That's the that's the reason people noticed it. Yeah. Because the street was actually clean. So, so pools of blood. Pools of blood, like on the cobble streets of New Orleans at the time. And the officer pushed in to the door. One of the officers, and he sees the bloody mess. He's got people flayed open. All right, missing Ugh. limbs. One officer was so disgusted, the story says he turned and vomited in the streets. All right, and they were like, who could have done such a thing? Decapitated men, right? Everybody in the house slaughtered dead. Dozens of people. Fingers spread wide open because they were trying to claw out the doors. And they found the Sultan himself in the garden in a new grave. And he was buried alive. Whoa, so who did it? No one ever find out who killed the salt. What? Is that it? That's it. Oh, that's bullshit. That's it. So that that's was it. just, uh, that was, I thought it was orgies. That was like one of the, right. Yeah, that was, was the last orgy? Yeah, that was the last orgy. Of the orgies. Yes. The last I mean, orgy. that happened as soon as he moved to New Orleans? Or he couple, was here no, for a while? A couple months. So that's yeah, that's plenty of time for more than one orgy. What happened to his brother? They never found the Sultan's brother. So police thought it was him that killed his brother. Sultan, Sultan. And left. Uh, jealous. Yeah, so jealous Sultan's brother. I've heard a version of this story where he was buried in an ant pile. Ooh. Right, which could get super crazy Alive? gigantic down here. So you've heard yeah. the story before? Ooh. I've heard it before. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. Some people say this story's not true. But I say go to hell because it's a cool story. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't like bloody orgies? But this is also after the Civil War when money's coming flooding into the city. You got a really transient, like, cash flow population at that time because people are shifting all over the U.S. So it's completely plausible that someone would be able to, like, or why they would be drawn to New Orleans at that point. If you're running from something... It wouldn't be weird to have some eccentric person like that mm-hmm. in that time period. Um, what? Uh, I also want to tell you about the house. Uh, it is now owned by uh, the Diamaco family. Frank Diamaco, the attorney at law. They had same house. 1979. But the same the house. The Stronghorn? Yes, yes. Same building. The Stronghorn now owns oh a Demaco? yeah, yeah. Demaco. Oh. yeah frank Demaco. anyone listening go look up the strong arm law firm online. i just did the thing he yeah. does in the commercial mm-hmm. to like illustrate i knew who they were he's talking got about. a he's got a sign for his office 
with, with the flexed the, yeah. arm and it says the strong arm on the bicep. It's like inside. the strong arm emoji. You just, just YouTube New Orleans trial attorneys down here. The commercials are on a level that are just. Yeah, they're great. So fantastic. So you, so his dad was an attorney too. Yeah. So, so you think that was dad. his dad's I house? I think it was his dad's and then house. And he inherited that. Yes. Oh I think God. they're still having bloody orgies in there. <laughs> you think so? You got a strong arm. Uh, there is, there, <laughs> there is uh, stories of two ghosts that haunt this house, supposedly. Okay. One is of a woman, uh, and then another is of a Confederate soldier, supposedly haunt those houses. Should Dude. we contact Frank about this? Yeah, well, <laughs> Frank, let us know. I'm sure he's never heard this. Yeah, Frank, while you're sitting in your office thinking about the next commercial you're going to do, <laughs> yeah. please listen to us and we want to come talk to you about these ghosts. Yeah. I'm intrigued. So that is the uh, Sultan's Bloody Orgy. Sultan's Bloody Orgy. Do they know who the other two ghosts are supposed to be? They don't know. They do not know. Okay. Do well, you know? No. Okay. No, I didn't hear that part. Mm -mm. Sorry. What is this, amateur hour? It is. <laughs> Don't delay. Call the strong arm today. This story is called A Nazi Breeding in Louisiana. Breeding? Yes. Goddamn Nazi. <laughs> Killing Nazis. And y'all know the most oh. famous Nazi, right? Adolf Hitler. Fucking Nazi asshole. So this dude, he was pretty proud of things. But not Adolf Hitler. Yeah, Adolf Hitler, right? I'm starting oh. off with him. Okay. Because okay. he is a... Uh, the player in this story. Yeah. And he had a love for sports, all right, and all things German that succeeded in sports. All right, that was his realm. He built a lot of infrastructure. <laughs> I'm not comfortable all, with all this the, already. Right, I'm, I'm definitely, ready to veer back right. to the No, Nazi I'm just going with the story. We're not talking about Nazis. I'm giving you <laughs> facts, people. Build the infrastructure <laughs> that we needed to move our did tanks I go, Did I fast? say, we should celebrate him because he <laughs> built a lot of things? No. So I was giving you facts. I All request right. that All you right. do a whole segment in that voice. <laughs> right. Okay. No, please don't. <laughs> All right. So one thing he didn't like that was happening in Germany was the 1936 Olympics. All right. They were held in Germany. I think you remember this guy named Jesse Owens, mm -hmm. uh, African-American man. Yeah, Chris Owens. Uh, brother, right? No, not at all. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a U.S. track star. He won uh, four gold medals, <laughs> and he ruined Hitler's right dream of an Aryan race, showing everybody how superior uh, they were. So obviously, I'm just getting to the point that Hitler cared about sports. All right, and according to Roadside America, giving some props on this, there was a horse called Nortlich. Nort and Nordlich is German for the Northern Lights. So we're talking about like horse racing. Horse now racing. we're talking about horse racing. Nice. All right. And Nordlich, he ran in the Nazi circuit. So, you know, whatever. Like they had their, they had own, their own circuit. 
right? And they would like bounce around and bring oh. them to Austria. Right? The horses were Nazi? The horses were Nazis. The oh, riders were Nazis? Both. Uh, also, okay. arrogance. Yeah. Horses can't be Nazis. The the owner of the Nordlich was a Hitler sympathizer, Nazi enthusiast. Gross. Okay, yeah. Uh, so this Nordlich, he won uh, the 1943, 1944 German and Austrian derbies. He was undefeated. Nordlich was a stamp in Germany at the time. To go with Lynn's point, it'd be interesting <laughs> to know if the jockey was a Nazi. I would, I would guess that the if on he's on the Nazi circuit, he's a Nazi. Yeah, but do you think those dudes just want to race? Like he could be like, yeah, I like Nazi stuff. Put me on a horse. Let me make some money and just kind of pretend. Okay, to maybe be Nazi. I'll give you that. Okay, maybe he was wanting to make Nazi money. It could have been like one of the Kunasses that one of, who was a <laughs> what's his name, the one who won the Kentucky or the. What is he on the triple? Kid right. Dizorma. Dude, I don't, I don't know, know what you're talking about. There's a no Cajun idea. guy who is a famous jockey. No way. Yeah. yeah. He's uh, pretty, very famous. Oh. Right. Did he Did he win the triple crown? I don't know. I just picture him being like, yeah, I'm a not like in the Cajun <laughs> coon ass. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's, that doesn't help anyone. He is tiptoeing a fine Nazi line right oh now. Oh, my God. Isn't he? Woo. All right. What? And during World War II... If you were in Europe, uh, you knew who Nordlich was. If you knew anything about horse racing, and you were in any of Europe, right, you knew who this horse was. Uh, and so toward the end of the war, uh, when Hitler fell from power, uh, so did Nordlich's stardom. Well, it's amazing because oh. the Nazis didn't want you to know anything, but you knew who the horse was. Right. Because they were proud. It was a sport. Yeah, proud. They wanted you to know what they wanted you to Basically. Whoa, how do you know so much? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my gosh. Do you watch a lot of History Channel? <laughs> Ancient aliens. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I will fall asleep with that on. This is one of those things that you can just have on in the background, but my dreams are so weird. I put it on to fall asleep. Right? I put on the History Channel, and I'm just like, yo, take me home. That's what, that's what I it can't. Is. I'm such a nerd. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so you, no you believe in like the, the Nazis were searching for alien powers to take over the world? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. Anyone, any like weirdo that's like super rich, famous, <laughs> always got that weird, like think of uh, the guy who created um, Scientology. Oh, oh, yeah. Like created that whole thing and yeah. Yeah, if you just pay me a bunch of money, I he made up this whole. I mean, I think it's made up story about aliens coming in, and I mean, come on, dude. You should you should talk shit about Scientology, <laughs> so we get like our yeah, name our name get, in the paper. Yeah, you know? <laughs> local broadcast podcast. Uh, shit's challenges. on. Yeah, challenge. Okay, challenges. Yeah, let me talk to Elron. Oh wait, he's dead. <laughs> Better yet, let me talk to Tom Cruise or Leah Remini. Let's get Leah Remini. Oh, she's not in it no more. Remini. Yeah, but she's got how all. Do you, uh, she's how does. do you not know how to say so many people's names? I think because he doesn't care. Fact check me. <laughs> I just did. It sounds better as Remini, okay? 
So, back to Nordlik. All right. Uh, Baron Thyssen, the Hitler supporter, that was Nordlik's owner. All right. He saw the Allies coming, so he fled to Switzerland like a bitch. All right. And he left his horse with his manager and his trainer. So, Nordlik is left alone. And the U.S. Army comes, and they claim Nordlik as a spoil of war, and they brought him back to the United States, where he was then purchased by New Orleans surgeon and horse breeder C. Walter Mattingly for 20 grand. God, I wish I was that rich to where I could just use my first name as an initial. <laughs> yes. You know? Like, that's when you know you got a lot of money. Yeah. Or that you had 20 grand to blow on a horse in... 1930-something? That's equivalent to $200,000 right. today. That, that I would be just fine with. <laughs> and Mr. Mattingly, all right, wasn't Hitler's horse. All right, one place that I'm going to tell you at the end of the story says, yes, this was in fact Hitler's horse. Uh, but by all accounts and documents, uh, maybe, maybe not. Okay, might have been owned by like the Germany state yeah, I don't too know if as you well. Directly say it was his you can't say it was hitler's horse right uh but at one time when the the owner left you know whose horse is it at that time does it is it germany's horse because it was like you know who knows because the united states army took it right so it's ours now bitches right so you could say the state government owned it at one time and the you know united states now took it but when you say is it hitler's horse to me that's like Hitler putting a saddle on the horse. Right. But Hitler was definitely proud of this horse. Yeah, like petting, you know. So, like... <laughs> like the one brushing it. I th- yeah. And I think yeah. that's what people are looking for when you ask that question. Was it Hitler's horse? That means mm-hmm. Hitler, like, brushed its mane. I'll tell and you where it did. says that. I'll tell you where it says that. All right. So, Manley brought it to his La Branche plantation uh-oh, in St. Rose, St. Charles Parish, in 1948. And so, Nortlik was obviously the man, right? Everybody knew who he was when he came over here, so guess what? Nortlik was going to get it on. Oh, stud? He was studded over at the plantation. All right, and he is responsible for hundreds of offspring. Bring them to me. Yeah. (laughs) Nortlik. What a way to retire. It's completely a great way to retire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Nortlik's offspring, they didn't really fare too well. Like, only like two of them actually became like winning racing horses. All right. Uh, but we do know that he is responsible for, like I said, hundreds of race horses that were being sold, you know, to little girls as ponies and shit. And this was a Nazi horse. And also, maybe we don't know about his offspring winning too much because I'm sure, like, not a lot of people would want to know that this is a Nazi horse. This is offspring. Mm. Yeah, I think the people who horse race want to brag as much as possible. And it wouldn't matter that it was a Nazi horse. It would matter that it was a winning horse that was raised in these here United States. Right, but if you're giving the horse to your daughter, you know, you're like it's Christmas, you're like, look, I got you a new pony. <laughs> are you dropping 20 grand? His daddy's, your... daddy's a Nazi, by the way, Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Because I'm going to tell you about this horse. 
Nortlik was not a nice horse. Yeah, it was a nice horse. So I feel like, I think you could like say, is it nurture? Nature? Right? You would think if Nazis raised a horse, it would be one mean son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, I would assume that they were not the nicest to the horse, being that they just wanted to win. They didn't give a crap about actually being nice to the horse. Like, well, I want winners. Mm. <laughs> it was, you go out there today. It was the Varsity like, Blues and you day. take it now. <laughs> you go on and take it and you don't look back, boy. If Nazis had any American accent, it would probably be from Alabama, right? Heinz, 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 Heinz. Heinz ketchup. I don't know. I don't know how to speak German. Yeah. Hey, That's, some people just Nazi their... horse. They probably injected the horse with uh, freaking steroids or something. You're right. They probably did. Sounds terrible. But mm -hmm. I mean... And so this was a comment on a uh, Facebook. A story about Nordlick. Says, my mother remembers that horse. It was capital M, capital E, capital A, N. Mean. And had jumped the fence over and over and was generally a bad horse. What I think was stupid was that this horse, Nordlick, whether or not it was Hitler's, was a beautiful but mentally off animal that was used a great deal for stud anyhow. So that lunacy is now spread liberally throughout the bloodlines of racehorses all through the states and Canada. It was by all accounts a bad horse. So really. how much you want to bet that was his plan all along? <laughs> he was trying to infiltrate us. I mean, you know he sent that horse with some serious alien technology here trying to <laughs> soak up all the insider information. Oh my God! Too bad he went to New Orleans, one of the most corrupt cities in the world. Right. <laughs> so he probably got all kinds of bad info. <laughs> part of why the part of why the Nazis failed. Yeah. They were spying on the wrong city. We were the we were the catalyst. We were the ones that took the Nazis down. They couldn't deal with all the corruption. So the Hitler just like ah, I can't deal with it, and then went to South America. Right. Oh, you think he's in Argentina? Yeah, he's still alive. Get up. <laughs> Him and Tupac. That's why Nordlick was so mad. He knew the truth. He did. Hitler helped. <laughs> Hitler helped Pablo Escobar to power. That's what happened. It's, it's all that ancient aliens you watch. That's what's putting these ideas in your head. Maybe. <laughs> This one's called Divine Drunks and Holy Spirits. Ooh. Interesting. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, so just to give you a little heads up, Knock knows the stories. Uh, haven't even told these guys what the story is and what it would be. So that's why they uh, act like assholes. <laughs> so Divine Drunks and Holy Spirits. We're going to start with the Ursuline nuns. You Question. Guys, you guys have heard of them, right? Yes. Question. 
is Holy Spirit's a play on words. Like Holy Obviously. Spirit and then like Holy like Spirit's like liquor. Maybe. Very good. Very good. Very good. All right. So the Ursuline nuns, they live at the Ursuline convent in the French Quarter. And, you know, some people even say like the convent is the home of the caskets where like the vampires or yeah, we get that. Uh, some people say that the nails are even blessed by the Pope because they got to keep those shutters shut. Right? The nails? The nails that keep the shutters shut have to be blessed by the Pope. That's what, you know, some people say. If they fly open, then they got to have the Pope bless a nail and hit it back in. That's where the vampires are. Right. So some people say that, right? But this is not a story about the Ursuline vampires in the continent. So these nuns are revered and respected in the city, right? We have nuns at the Saints games, right? Mm -hmm. We have nuns in the press. Like the, I actually went to uh, the owner's, owner suite one time, and there were nuns. Subtle brag. Yeah, nuns mm -hmm. and priests in the owner suite. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I think what other city has that? Were they drinking holy spirits? Don't tell on the nuns. One thing they did. Have That's none your business. <laughs> and so in 1812, these virgin nuns. They gained a lot of respect in the city because there was a terrible fire that tore through the French Quarter and it was threatening to burn down the convent. But according to legend, the nuns prayed to Our Lady of Prompt Succor and their prayers were answered. And the wind suddenly changed direction, blowing the fire away from the convent and the convent was saved. This was in 1812. So this wasn't St. Elmo's fire? This was not St. Elmo's fire. <laughs> It was the French Quarter Fire. So these nuns are uh, credited with saving the comet, but they're also credited with helping save the city of New Orleans from the British imperialists. And the British forces, all right, they were heading north on the Mississippi River. British troops outnumbered, American troops two to one, all right, and the Red Coats were led by General Edward Hackenham. Packingham. Right. Packingham. Packingham. Oh, Ooh. Ooh, yeah. He might have. Yes. Only you. <laughs> Only you. <laughs> All right. So Packingham, he was an up and coming uh, leader, very decorated soldier. And on the morning of the eighth, he led his troops into battle on the Shamet battlefield. And there was a thick fog that settled on the battlefield. In Chalmette. In Chalmette. And the Ursuline nuns, once again, prayed to Our Lady of Prompt Succor. And when the British began their advance, the wind suddenly changed direction again, blowing the fog away, leaving all the red coats in the middle of the field, just ready to be picked off Exposed? like sitting ducks. Oh. You can imagine our General Packenham. <laughs> He was a very stubborn man, so he kept leading his troops. And uh, we all know what happened that day, right? Fucking kicked some ass. That's what we did. The Americans. We took them down. We took them down. Kicked those British asses. Fog or no fog, Are you we will prevail. Are you imagining these nuns like Avatar? I would just, it would be like so much cooler if, if you just said the nuns were the first ones and like, in battle, front line, <laughs> charging with, with the bayonets. Yeah, just right. no, nah, not even, just no bull, just no guns, just full spears, just, just stabbing people in the fog mm -hmm. when they couldn't even <laughs> see, 
And then when the fog cleared, the because nuns were just standing there like, bring it on. And then, boom, everyone ran past the nuns and then took them, took them down. Because they could control the wind. Let's exactly. Make, they made a movie called Ameri- or Abraham Lincoln Vampire Slayer. Correct. So we can make a movie. Ursuline Nun. Or, yeah. Pirate Slayers. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. It can be a kind of Pirates of the Caribbean riff. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit, but with nuns instead. Yes. Correct. Let's do it. Yeah. Pack- Done. Yep. <laughs> Packingham was shot twice. All right. And he still managed to keep leading his troops. All right. This dude would not give up. But then Packingham was shot thrice. Thrice? Shot through the heart. Is that three or twice? And you're to blame? Mm. So Packingham <laughs> died on the Chalmette battlefield. So his family wanted him back home. Mm-hmm. So General Packingham, they had to ship him back home. And at the time, there was no embalming fluid. So if you were of someone of significance and they wanted to ship you back, they had to put you in a barrel of rum. And they shipped you away. Your body? Your body. In they a barrel of rum? rum? They pickled you in rum. <gasps> and they shipped you back. Did they drink it? No. No. Listen, people are weird. You know, just ask. You can distill it like 5,000 times. Right. You can't distill so that. He's um to Packingham. To Packingham. <laughs> right? So Packingham is uh, in the barrel now. And he's being shipped back to... England. He was actually Irish, so he's going to be shipped back to England and shipped back to Ireland. Okay. Uh, and as the ship was going to across or across the pond, it was uh, seized by some pirates. <gasps> they did drink the rum. Jack Sparrow's in the house. And uh, the pirates then sold this ship's booty at a Charleston port in South Carolina. And a man bought several barrels of rum from that no they fucking drank it dude they drank the rum and he took it home and he and his friends had a delightful night oh no and they drank several barrels and when one of the barrels wasn't given any more rum but it was really still kind of heavy they were wondering what is going on with this barrel and they broke it open and there he was the perfectly pickled cadaver oh my God. of General Packingham. Oh. I don't even want to know what that looks like. One man who reported the event afterward joked, at least they could say they finally knew what a good full-bodied rum was <gasps> supposed to taste like. Yes. No. That's my guy. Can we, how can we interview that guy? <laughs> Time machine. <laughs> So oh my God. there was also uh, uh. another joke back across the pond when yes. they heard about it yes. uh, because Packingham was kind of an asshole and he was surly tempered and he was really easily annoyed. And they were recorded as saying the general has returned home in better spirits than he left. Yes. <laughs> I wish we could hang out with these people. They sound freaking awesome. And that is the story of divine drunks oh and holy God. spirits. All right, so here's my thing. I totally buy that people drank rum where there was a pickled body. Because when rum was first rolling around, it was kind of by accident. And they were just storing molasses in whatever barrel they could find because you can't let that shit sit outside. It attracts vermin and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it was like 
fish pickling barrels or like salt pork barrels or barrels that had like held lead nails and stuff. Eventually just leaving it in a shed on the islands, it turned from molasses to rum. And when you're a Frenchman and it's been a minute since you've had some wine, you'll drink that hooch. And it ain't gonna taste good because it tastes like pickle fish and lead nails. And maybe it's a little toxic and maybe that's why you see shit. So yeah, they, the pickled body would totally make sense. They'd just be like, oh, it's fish rum. Gotta we should get, make a song called Pickle Body. Gotta get that pickle body. <laughs> pickle body. Don't vape people. <laughs> All right. That's probably That's, not gonna make sense. It's, well, no, we're giving our PSA right okay. at the end. So yeah, you've come to the end of the podcast. So you've listened to our stories of the Sultan, the Nazi, and Packled, picking packled ham, pickled packing ham. A sultan, a Nazi, and pack hammer walk into really a bar. I really think we should just start. No, over. no. I really Get do. back on board. Get back in the ship. It's a great start to a joke. Drinking the rum, pack, pickled packing ham. No, sultan, a Nazi, and pack, general pack hammer walk into a bar. Oh, that's your homework. I have yeah. to watch the movie. You have to write the joke. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I need to finish that. There you go. Ooh, okay, all right. You think you can actually write a joke? I don't know, that's gonna be tough. That was you tough. You should come back, we should all come back with something like that. We should. To start the next one. Okay. Let's do it. So a Nazi, General Packingham, is he pickled? Pickled Packingham. A pickled Packingham. Sultan. And the Sultan. A Nazi and pickled Packingham. Walk into a bar. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like it, I like it. Uh, we hope you liked listening to us. That gives you something to look forward to next week. Yeah. Uh, we're going to bring this as much as we can, but getting three people together is a pain in the ass. We got a little bit of time for before holidays. but Right. And it's going to be my turn to tell a story. Uh, I'm bringing food again. Nice. Does that mean you have to bring three different foods? No. Oh, you just... Oh, no. Damn it. Oh, uh, yeah. Do you? We like the three-story route. Oh, I'm I already gonna... have it like that. Okay, yeah. So I'll say my what I'm doing next week is a story told with three different lenses. One oh. story, three different perspectives. Oh, get out of town. Yeah, girl, how you find that kind of story? Vantage point. Uh, oh, I like. Yeah, that was a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. That actually. was like eight different points, but then we're yeah, whatever. I, I enjoyed that one. I was slightly excited about it when I saw it. Yeah. Matthew, what's his name? From Lost. I thought it was Dennis Quaid. It was all of them. All of them. Oh. It was It was a fun-filled, packed movie. Was it Randy Quaid? No. No, he's <laughs> on the run. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you. See you next time. We love y'all. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs>